This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Measured Thoughts on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here's your host, David Reepstein. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Measure Thoughts on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Dave Reepstein, a professor of marketing here at the Wharton School, and I'm joined, as always, with my co-host and Ph.D. candidate of marketing and business ethics here at the at the Wharton School, Sunil Betty. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. It's uh, nice to be here in another fine week that we have here in beautiful Philadelphia. And this is the week. This is the week leading up to the Super Bowl, which is the bonanza of uh, of marketing. Absolutely. Uh, it, it once again having a marketing department Super Bowl party this year. I'm not hosting it. You're for, not hosting for the it. First time in, in how long? In decades. Wow. Decades. Wow. Um, but it's going to be. And and again, we all sit around. We talk, talk, talk during all the game, and then commercial <laughs> silence. Everybody's silent as you got to watch all it. the commercials, and that's just what marketing professors do. I so love it. it's uh, it's exciting that we're at Super Bowl week. Um, there's been some interesting research that I just saw that came in today that sort of talked about ads and and what types of ads are very effective. First of all, Super Bowl ad I think this year is going to cost a little bit more than five million dollars wow. for a thirty second spot. Wow, and so. You know, what are the implications of all of that? But this one survey that I saw, which was 2,000 people, it said 77% of the people voted that politically charged ads are not that compelling. Hmm. So if there are some ads that are uh, politically charged, not so good. But 60% of ads that are funny sort of motivate people to buy immediately. Hmm. Fascinating to hear that. I I hope our advertisers out there are listening to that. Intriguing. 61.8% of respondents said they believe they are less motivated to make a purchase if a celebrity was featured in the commercial. I kind of believe that, though. You know what? I really do. Um, uh, Let me tell you what my overall reaction is to all of these. This is what people said on the survey. Sure. And so what people do versus what they say it's very, yeah, very different. And you true. see some celebrity, you go, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to pay attention to that. But then later, it's sort of authenticated, you yeah. know, and so you feel like, oh, this is legit. Or if so, it's a celebrity you really care about, you can imagine. So amazing, amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. But let's talk to some advertisers. Absolutely. So on this program, we've got two advertisers for the Super Bowl that are going to be joining us. In the first half of the program, we've got Anne Marie Suarez Davis. The Vice President of U.S. Snacks and Marketing at the Kellogg's Company that's going to be joining us, and they're going to be running an ad in the Super Bowl. We're going to have to hear about that. And then in the second half of the program, we've got Luke Cole, who's the head of brand building and marketing for the Kraft Heinz Company, and they're going to be running an ad as well. So need to understand what it is all of their thinking is, and we'll be excited to hear how they spend their $5 million and whether or not they think that's justifiable. So our focus is on Super Bowl, Super Bowl advertising. That's what it is we're going to do. We're live every Monday at 4 p.m. on Sirius XM, Channel 132, and we are replayed throughout the week. And I'm excited to get us started. So let's get started with Anne-Marie Suarez-Davis, Vice President of U.S. Snacks Marketing at, at Kellogg's. 
And let me remind people that you can give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. You can email us at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. You can follow us on Twitter at BizRadio132. But Anne-Marie Suarez-Davis, Vice President of U.S. Snacks Marketing at Kellogg's. Welcome. Glad to have you on the program. Thank you so much, Dave. It's wonderful to be on the program. I was talking away and everything, uh, uh, but I'm delighted that you have uh, joined us. And uh, I got a little carried away with everything going on about the Super Bowl, but delighted that you are with us. Um, Give us a little bit of your background, and then we're going to start talking about your advertising itself and, and, uh, and what brand it is you're going to be advertising. Sure. So, um, as you said, currently I'm a vice president of marketing and snacks at the Kellogg Company, um, specifically focused at the moment on Pringles. Honestly, in many ways, I've grown up at Kellogg's. I joined in 2000. Um, I've been there a while, and I've honestly had the benefit of working across lots of different categories and brand portfolio teams and also uh, within the global team. So uh, really fantastic experiences. And I will say that while I've truly enjoyed leading these brands, you know, in the commercial development across many truly iconic brands, uh, Pringles has always held a very special place for me um, because I've spent lots of time on it and throughout my years at Kellogg's. And prior to joining Kellogg's, I worked at Johnson & Johnson in their consumer products division. Okay. Well, it sounds like you've got a rich, rich marketing background, and, that, and that's very, very good. Pringles, how long have you been on Pringles? Well, I've had a, a bit of a tour on Pringles a few times. I was actually asked to lead the marketing integration of the brand when we first acquired it from P&G. Uh, and then I led the brand globally for some time and went on to do some other jobs in frozen foods for Kellogg's and then came back onto Pringles about two and a half years ago. So I will tell you, I've been following Pringles since its inception. And I think it is a fascinating product. And and it's been a controversial one at times because, you know, a Pringles is not like a potato chip. It comes in a canister and it doesn't come in a bag. And that's so different. And people are thinking, well, it can't be Pringles. It can't be a potato chip if it's not coming in a bag. But I think I think the container is a major asset of it. And, you know, it, it keeps it fresh longer because I find I open one of those bags and I eat a couple of chips and then... I'm going to have to eat the whole, whole bag because, you know, <laughs> it, it just unravels on me and everything. And they end up getting broken and take up so much room on the shelf. And yet that canister is so great. So I, I think that's a real asset uh, for the product. And um, and I've sort of watched it evolve. What has happened since Kellogg's took over Pringles? And how how have you changed it? So, you know, I think the big thing that I would say since Kellogg's acquired the brand is, you know, we are a food company, right? So we understand food and we put a lot of focus on the food itself. Um, and what we see, you know, what we saw at the time of acquisition and continue to see is, you know, as you mentioned, what's truly unique to the brand. So the can, you're right, absolutely, it's iconic. Um, the truth is, though, that the shape of the the, chi- the chip, and we all learn, had to learn about the uh, hyperbolic par- paraboloid when we came onto the brand, mm-hmm. um, but the shape of the chip makes it unique in terms of the way that it eats. Um, this idea of stacking you can only do with that type of chip. Right. And then our flavors. And, you know, when we talk about our flavors and we use our resources and our research and development team to create these insanely accurate flavors. And really, it's been a push since we acquired the brand to focus on these things that are so unique. Um, flavor stacking, as you know, is new, but to focus on the chip and the iconic attribute of the can and, and, and these unique different flavors 
um, with our consumer has been very successful for Kellogg since acquisition. So does does Kellogg's? You know, when I think of Kellogg's, I and it, it is iconic with breakfast cereal. Does Kellogg's have a a number of other you know salted snacks? Yeah, Kellogg's has a pretty robust snacking portfolio. So you know, the ones when I think about salty snacks that come to mind, Cheez It is a you know, yep. a huge, another iconic brand, right, that is a cracker, but it is consumed oftentimes in, in more salty snacking type of occasions. We also have club crackers and townhouse crackers, um, and then several, not salty, but other sweet snacks, such as Rice Krispies treats and Nutrigrain bars. Okay. So this is a category that Kellogg's is very familiar with in terms of uh, snacks. It's a little bit different, but it, it certainly fits within your overall portfolio. I, this is Super Bowl week, so talk to us about Super Bowl. What what was the behind the decision that uh, you're going to do an ad in the Super Bowl? Sure. So you know, Super Bowl Sunday. I think it's not a surprise to know that it's one of the biggest snacking days of the year. Um, and so, and, and we believe that our product is truly perfect for game watching. So you know, it makes a lot of sense if you think about it. Airing a spot during during Super Bowl Sunday is truly an amazing way for fans to learn how to flavor stack, how to create these, you know, mindless numbers, sorry, these mind-blowing endless numbers of snacking combinations. Um, and, you know, when we, you know, and I know that you interviewed Kurt last year in yes. advertising during during the Super Bowl last year, it really did lead to great visibility for the brand. Um, it's a big week for us. It's, it's a big week for Salty Snacks. And to insert our brand into that moment and into that conversation, we're very pleased with the results. So interestingly, you you mentioned that uh, I, I did do an interview also last year, and uh, and loved the interview and 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 also loved the uh, the sampling that we did, <laughs> uh, so that was great. And uh, can I uh, surmise from this that you were very successful with the Super Bowl ad that, that was run last year? We were we were truly happy with the results. Yes, I, you know I think we've got, we got great retailer support, but importantly, you know we got our message of flavor stacking out to so many consumers, and we saw great engagement with the brand. Not only you know on the day of, but also following. It was a real kind of momentum starter for us in 2018, and you know that was you know we look forward to continuing that as we go into 2019 now. So, what sort of things do you look at to get a sense of uh, the consumers get it and, and and really understand this flavor stacking? So data, right? Data, data everywhere. Um, you know, I think for us, we obviously follow and listen very closely to conversations that are happening real time in social media, et cetera. Um, that's probably what I would say is one of our biggest ways that we looked at response to the work that we did last year. Did we see consumers talking about flavor stacking or talking about the brand? Um, to some extent, do we see them engaging in the behavior, but really do we just see them talking about this notion of flavor stacking and how it's unique? for Pringles. Um, And then obviously we look at purchase information, um, customer, retailer excitement, et cetera. And we felt very good looking at all that data. Uh, So what do you do to facilitate the the social dialogue? What do I personally do? Well, not you personally, but what do you at Kellogg do? Yeah. You could tell us what you personally do too. No, no, no. That's okay. (laughs) You probably don't want it. It's not as fun. Um, You know, I think what what we do really is obviously through our agency partners, but we also have social media managers dedicated to Pringles. And they spend a lot of their time um, online and reading what consumers are saying, you know, searching not only in our own 
you know, Twitter, Facebook, et cetera, but across other outlets to see what are consumers saying, where is Pringles being talked about and what is being said about it. Uh, and then we plan from there different ways to engage in conversation with our consumers and social media. So, so I hear you saying that, you know, there is a bump in terms of uh, the impressions that you get after, you know, a Super Bowl ad, at least last year. So can you tell our, 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 our listeners, how do you continue that engagement? So you get that bump. Um, but generally, you know, we see, you know, after an ad, you know, whether sales, whether it's impressions go up and they kind of, you know, decay back down. So how do you right. leverage that once you've got that, you know, the, the, the conversation going? How do you leverage that and carry that into the next months, two months, six months, you know, till the next Super Bowl ad? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is to keep the conversation going and to stay engaged. I think oftentimes you will see, you know, some brands that will do the big advertisement, for example, during the Super Bowl, and there might be a, a lot of conversation that happens on that day, and then it sort of dies off after. One thing that we do is we have a very heavy and ongoing presence in social media, um, and we are constantly out having conversations, posting things, staying current, obviously, you know, with our current things that happen as it makes sense for the brand, we try and leverage that. And, you know, that is one thing that we do. And then we couple that really importantly with pushes in store, uh, because the reality is in order to win and to continue to win, you have to win in, in at retail in the grocery store where your consumers are buying. So we try, you know, and be cognizant of staying engaged with consumers online, but also making sure that our products are on display and front and center um, during key periods for the brand. And we choose other kind of key snacking days for the brand. No, that's an imperative part that uh, that you have it in the stores and customers can find mm -hmm. it. It's, it's a key part of marketing is uh, making sure that, that uh, you've got that presence. Let me remind our audience, we're currently speaking with Anne-Marie Suarez-Davis, who's the Vice President of U.S. Snacks Marketing at Kellogg's. And you're listening to Measure Thoughts on Sirius XM 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. And you can give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. So one of the things that you did mention is that you said that there was this buildup going up to the Super Bowl. What specifically are you guys doing, at, not you specifically, but, but Kellogg's doing, mm -hmm. to, um, to create that, that buildup and that momentum? So as we go into, you know, into this year and get ready for you know, Sunday, and we've been getting ready, as you can imagine, for some time now, um, but really it's kind of a known thing, right, that the 30 seconds are super important, but that Super Bowl lives well beyond those 30 seconds. And where we're largely focused, as you can imagine, is displays in store, right? That's a big thing for us, sure. making right. sure that when fans go to stack up for, you know, the, their watching parties, that Pringles are easy to find. Uh, the other thing that we're doing this year, which is, is kind of a fun thing, we didn't do this last year. So obviously, I think, you know, you would know more than anybody, Super Bowl marketing has kind of become its own subculture. Sure. Um, and fans are watching TV for certain, you know, and they're watching the ads on TV, but really they're very engaged through their second screens as well. Um, and that's something that we will definitely be tapping, or, you know, tapping into this year. So we are partnering with Twitter. Um, in both Boston and Los Angeles on January 31st and February 1st. Um, and we're prompting our most loyal fans, as we like to call them, um, to tweet your, for their Your which fans? Our most loyal fans okay. uh, in Boston Los Angeles. So, you know, those people who are actively engaging with us on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to prompt them to tweet uh, at us 
about a free Pringles flavor stack delivery uh, for their Super Bowl watch party. And then for the first 600 that respond across the cities, we will actually have same-day delivery of the cans through um, through foods called Fuji. <laughs> um, we will deliver these, you know, cans that they've wanted so they can create their flavor stacks for their Super Bowl watch party. So. Just, you know, it's a fun way to engage with our consumers right where they're at, to get them excited about flavor stacking before the game and start to get them ready um, and excited to see Pringles advertised during the game. So um, so the ideal stack is one that has about eight different flavors in it, so I can get all of those <laughs> delivered. Is, is that sort of the notion? And Usually three. I think three is pretty ideal because it's got enough different flavors, um, but it's not too huge to fit in your mouth. So I think we're going to stick with three. <laughs> um, so where did this idea of flavor st- uh, stacking come from? And, and just to be really clear, so everybody, you know flavor stacking very well. I've been in the next room flavor stacking for the half hour <laughs> leading into the program. Um, the notion is take take the pizza flavor and mix it with the jalapeno flavor and then mix it with the cheddar flavor. I do stacks of six, by the way, the two of each of those, and and then eat Sounds those delicious. eat those simultaneously. And it's sort of the combination of those flavors that uh, that really is a, is a highlight for people. And then there's also the highlight of the creating of what's the right combination. Mm-hmm. So you just heard the combination that I love. Um, but is that sort of the notion? I wanted our audience to be able to see that and sort of salivate as they're thinking about that. But <laughs> but th- that's the notion, right? Yeah, that's the notion. So if you th- you know think about something we talked about a little bit earlier in terms of just the really unique shape of the of the chip, the crisp, right? That unique shape lets you flavor stack them really nicely um, and really neatly. So you can create this edible sort of no bread sandwich, <laughs> you know, that you can have these experiences. And, and really, it's a fun way to create, you know, we would have like a Pringles no mess chicken wings that would have barbecue, buffalo ranch, and ranch style Pringles. Nice. Um, or napkin free nachos that are uh, jalapeno, original cheddar, and sour cream. Oh. So that, that's kind of the idea is taking foods that you would be familiar with and finding ways to recreate them through Pringles is often a way that uh, consumers think about this idea and really engage with the idea. So I'm not going to ask you to to go through more combinations because I understand there's over 300,000 different combinations if you look <laughs> at the flavors that you've got and all permutations of three. Uh, but there is a lot of room for creativity as one uh, goes through that. Tell us about the ad itself. Uh, what is the ad and um, and how did you go about trying to create that? Yeah, so the the ad itself, uh, this was actually a lot of fun to work on this year, this this idea. Um, The Great Group is our agency of record, our advertising agency of record, and they came forward with this really um, relevant and fun insight around smart devices, right? And smart devices, as you know, know, they're quickly becoming integrated into so many people's daily lives. And really, the truth is, if you you know if you go out and you look around social media, you'll see lots of memes out there that talk about smart devices kind of chiming into the conversation in a room unprompted. Um, and so we felt like that was just some you know some fun cultural fuel to push off from. But but really beyond that, um, and we wanted to go beyond just introducing fans to flavor stacking. You know, you've mentioned the endless number of combinations. So we really wanted to reveal this truly mind-blowing number of endless flavor combinations. 
And so we like this idea that this number is so large a number um, that it's almost impossible to comprehend unless, of course, you're a computer or a smart device. Um, and that became a way to tell this, you know, this really nice and funny story. So I like the survey results that you talked about at the beginning of the show um, that, you know, consumers are liking funny ads. Our, def- our ad is definitely sitting in that funny spot. Um, and, you, you know, you see these consumers stacking and then the sad device pipes in um, and she's sad, <laughs> you know. And so while she may be able to comprehend the endless flavor stacking possibilities, She's so sad because she realizes she'll never taste the insanely accurate flavors of Pringles. Um, And you see that her emotion come through with music, you know, sad music. And then, um, you know, our actors are not that sympathetic to her sadness. And so you see that immediately (laughs) contrasted with uh, Funky Town when they request Funky Town and you hear that come through the speaker. So it is a very lighthearted, you know, and funny ad that just taps into something happening in society right now. So I had seen the ad previously. Both Sunil and I had seen it, and we, we didn't want to reveal the the uh, what really happens unless you were willing to. I think it's <laughs> really, really clever to have this, you know, this smart device that's sort of craving, oh, I wish I could, you know, taste what you're tasting. And, yeah, uh, it's been a it, lot of fun. It, it's got to be a lot of fun. So uh, what sort of reaction do you think there's going to be? For, do you think it's going to be just viewed as a really humorous one? Do you think it's going to be – actually, I'm wondering, as an audience member, you can identify more with the smart device than, than the people on the in the ad that are eating it because I'm hearing about it, but I can't taste them right, right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you've gotten your Pringles. Hopefully you've stacked up before. Well, I, 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 you said stack up or stock up? Which Hopefully was it? Stack up yeah. in the store where you see the ads, so you won't feel sad about not tasting them. Um, and so, I'm, I, by the way, I'm real curious thinking about this uh, globally, since you're you're now in what do I hear? 140 different countries. You sell Pringles, and mm-hmm. and a lot of those countries watch the Super Bowl. Do they get to see the Super Bowl ads as well? You know, that's a really good question. I believe they do. Um, I believe they do, but I am not 100% certain. Yeah, so that, that's actually my my belief, too, is I believe they do, but I'm not sure. Um, but it, it'd be interesting to uh, to try and, and see whether or not you see that lift in other countries as well. And how this idea of uh, if, if it's just the you know the the overly obese American in a household that stacks up all of these or <laughs> Uh, if that's a global phenomenon, I, I bet it will work well in other countries and sort of uh, translates very well for that. Yeah, I think it would, too, especially because the flavors that we have across the market, you know, across the globe are very relevant within those markets. Um, so I think it would be it could be a very fun thing to do in other markets as well. OK, let's talk five five million dollars. And how is it? How is it you can justify that? How is it was that a hard internal sell or with the success uh, from last year? It was like, well, this is a no brainer. And how is it you go about thinking about does it pay for itself? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. You know, it's something that I think has been debated for a long time. Certainly, we have those discussions as well. I I think for me, you know, the reality is you go back to a couple of things, you know, go back to how many people you reach in such a big way and also the ability to get people to engage at that moment real time with your brand. 
you know, so this year, while we're, you know, investing, obviously, in the Super Bowl spot, we also have a really fun idea happening in Twitter where our sad device will kind of take over our Twitter feed and consumers will engage following the ad um, and also probably other brands we anticipate that we would engage with as well. So that gives you a lot to push off from. And, to, you know, the point that you mentioned earlier in terms of the spike that you get in sales all of those things add up and we think about the return not just in the context of that individual media you know investment but obviously what are we getting uh, in sales which is driving our return on investment but also what are we getting in terms of excitement from our retail partners as they see us wanting to engage on the big stage um, you know that says a lot so we we look at a lot of data for sure and we make sure that our investments are smart and are paying out and that we build a plan that gets us excitement beyond just those, you know, the 30 seconds and the day of. Um, but what we have seen so far is that when done well, it, it really does pay off quite well. So one of the things that um, I've actually done uh, some research on and have written about is that when you advertise, it not only increases consumer demand, but it also increases distribution and distribution coverage. And uh, do you see that and, and that you really see that, you know, by, by doing the advertising, you do see, you know, greater retail acceptance and by letting them know you're going to be on the Super Bowl that suddenly you get a higher um, ACV, all commodity volume or distribution coverage? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, again, I think when retailers see that you're willing to make the investment, you know, and that you're going to be out there in the Super Bowl, then they want to have your product available and they know that your brand is going to be desired by, you know, by their guests, by their customers. So I would definitely say that advertising goes a long way to help, you know, not only build relationships with our retailers, but also to start new relationships or further existing relationships in terms of distribution, et cetera. You know, and I, I won't quote specifics, but I think, you know, we have seen that happen as we move forward on, on this, you know, in our Super Bowl execution. Sure. Amory, I, I have a question uh, that's a little bit... Um a little bit broader than thinking about just Pringles. So, you know, you obviously represent the Pringles brand, but to some degree you also represent the Kellogg's brand. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a lot of snacking, uh, as you said, you know, the cheeses. There's actually several, um, you know, there's a big portfolio of, of snacking products in the Kellogg uh, uh, in the Kellogg brand. So how do you think about, particularly the Super Bowl, promoting one over the other? Or, or, or is, it, is it that kind of, kind of discussion or is it really we're going to promote them all? How do you think about that? Yeah, so I think, you know, we have, we have, as you can imagine, a lot of discussion across the portfolio. You know, what, what makes the most sense? Pringles makes the most sense for, you know, engaging with something like Super Bowl because of salty snacks, because of, you know, chips, et cetera. And that's the brand, the brand that we have that leads in that salty snacks area. So Pringles makes the best sense. I think the key thing is if, if you go back to kind of the retailer story, um, while Pringles is a big focus of our displays as we think about getting ready for the Super Bowl, we also have other brands in the portfolio that make a lot of sense and to some extent come along for the ride and store. So you see some displays that might have Pringles and Cheez-It together. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's a win-win for us across the portfolio. Yeah, and I would think that uh, Pringles is the best fit with the with the context. Right. So I, I think I think in that sense, I, th I think the question was a great question, Sue Neal, but I think it sort of is answered by 
you think about chips when it comes to the Super Bowl. So yeah, um, makes makes tons of sense. You know, one of the things I often think about, and I mentioned that five million dollar uh, expenditure is it's not out of line with the normal cost per thousand that you would reach. But also what ends up happening is the number of times it's replayed and discussed and, and shown after the Super Bowl. And so the total number of exposures just skyrockets. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it turns out to be a relatively low cost per exposure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it also provides a lot of content that you use throughout the year as well. So the the last big question that I have for you, what's your personal favorite stack? What is my personal favorite stack? So I am not a spicy food kind of person. So my personal favorite stack is um, sour cream and onion, barbecue, and cheddar. So it's a non-spicy nacho. Okay. Ooh, sounds okay. Good, that's, sounds that, good. That, that sounds pretty good to me. I, I think good. that that's great. So um, I very much appreciate you coming on the air with us. Good luck with your ad. And uh, you'll chip away at that market, and I'm sure you'll do very, very well. So congratulations on that. Thank you very much. Um, Without further ado, let's turn to Luke Cole, the head of brand build and marketing for snacks, desserts, and seasonals at the Kraft Heinz Company. Luke, you've got to have the biggest business card in in the business with that title. So welcome. Glad to have you on the program. Great. Thanks for having me. Um, So let's start with what is your job? Yeah, so I, I essentially do the, the marketing and the brand build, exactly what it kind of sounds like for the snacks. <laughs> and uh, seasonal brands, so that's kind of brands like Planters Peanuts is obviously our big one. Uh, nutrition, I work on Jell-O, um, Stovetop, a whole bunch of other brands um, within the snacks and desserts portfolio. And what's your, what's your background? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, no problem. Um, so I've been working at Kraft, uh, well, now Kraft Heinz, for about 10 years. I uh, spent the first five years of those in Canada, working on some Canadian businesses. So I've worked on mac and cheese and Tassimo in Canada, uh, then moved to the U.S. Uh, for the last five years at Kraft Heinz, working on brands uh, such as Maxwell House Coffee, Mio, you know, worked on Capri Sun a little bit, and some Kool-Aid businesses. So mostly in the beverages businesses, but, um, you know, all, all basically in food at Kraft Heinz. So one of my all-time favorite uh, students, former students, had been the chief marketing officer of Kraft, Paula Sneed. And she's no longer there. I think she's retired, which says how long I've been doing this. <laughs> when your students start retiring, you know you've been in the business for a long time. But um, she always spoke very highly about the marketing that was done at Kraft, and I was always very impressed by that. Um, and so you've got a good position with a great company there, so that's great. Um, you mentioned um, Planters Peanuts, and uh, talk about what that product is and that's the one that you're going to be advertising in the Super Bowl this year. Is, is that right? That's correct, yeah. Planters is uh, an amazing brand. You know, it's been around for 123 years. Um, wow. You know, wow. Yeah, it's, it's a long time. And, and Mr. Peanut, who's obviously our brand icon, uh, he's he's over 100 years old now. So he's 103. Um, you know, he's never had a trip to the Super Bowl, so we thought it was time uh, to bring him into the mix. But, you know, it's a, it's a global brand. Uh, one of the largest, you know, it is the largest snack nut brand in the U.S. We do everything from you know, peanuts to cashews to mixed nuts, uh, on-the-go nuts, you know, uh, everything you could think of. But they're all really under that Planters brand, um, and you know, it's a staple in most households. I should send you a picture of my uh, kitchen because sitting on my counter is one of the biggest darn cans of 
uh, Mr. Peanut Peanuts because <laughs> I just love your your salted peanuts that are there, and I, I find it to be a great snack. So oh, yeah. uh, you've got a good product to be working with. Yeah. You, know, you know, when I think about craft, there's so many different products that you have. Uh, how is it you decided that you were going to um, support Mr. Peanut this year? And you said this is the first time Mr. Peanut's been on the Super Bowl? That's correct, yeah. Planters was actually in there 10, 11 years ago, but never Mr. Peanut. Ah, okay. And what was the what was behind the decision to pick Mr. Peanut this year? Yeah, I mean, listen, it, it, it seemed like a very natural fit for us. Like I said, Planters is you know the number one snack nuts brand out there. Super Bowl is the biggest snack nut or the snacking day of the year, right? So, kind of just made a ton of sense for those two to go together. I think um, you know there's that huge in-store opportunity that comes along with with that day. It's again a very important day for snacking, and, and it just makes sense that we're part of that conversation. Um, you know, other reasons, a couple of reasons more. You know, our, our consumers are a little bit older, so 55 plus, uh, 50 percent of our consumers are, are over the age of 55. And the Super Bowl really creates that opportunity to, to age down a little bit um, for our consumer, which we're trying to do. And, you know, that that day is extremely important for my target market, who's that Gen X male. Um, for him, this is the biggest day of the year, so we really want to make sure we're there for that day uh, and that is an important day for him. And, you know, he's considering planters when he's kind of looking, looking through all those snack choices out there. Well, so, you know, in the first part of this segment, we just had uh, Pringles on, and... Um, They've got to be one of your competitors for this snack food at the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think historically we've thought of ourselves more within the, the snack nuts category. Um, right. More recently we've said, hey, how do we kind of broaden that uh, and reframe ourselves in the much larger salty snack category? So, yeah, I would say that would be a competitor now, whereas maybe if you asked that question two or three years ago, it may not have been uh, the case. And that's, again, another reason why we kind of want to get ourselves into the mix uh, at the Super Bowl, which is that big day of the year for snacking. So uh, the reason I asked that question is sort of what you just alluded to. I wanted to know how how you defined your, you, you know, you look at your market share. And uh, actually, I'll tell you a quick story. I was at, at Disney once, and I asked them what their market share was. <laughs> and they said, uh, we don't normally look at our market share, but if we had to, we would think about our share of disposable income. So they defined it as very, very broadly. When you think about your market share, um, you think about your market share as the share of the peanut business, your share of the uh, nut business, um, your share of the salted snack business, your share of the snack business. How do you think about that? That's a great question. I think, you know, historically, we had looked at it as a nut market share, uh, getting upwards of 30 to 40 percent and growing as we start getting larger and that market opportunity starts to cap out a little bit. I think it only makes sense to broaden that uh, and to bring in, um, you know, some some growth from adjacent categories. So, you know, if you ask me that question today, I would say it's the salty snack category. Uh, we're aggressively going and going after that segment and, um, you know, trying to grow there. Okay. And, and what uh, what are you doing specifically to try and broaden that market other than just being on the Super Bowl? Sure. And, and maybe that's it. Maybe being on the Super Bowl is the answer. Yeah, well, that's certainly one part of it. I think, uh, you know, that strategy is going to extend beyond just advertising. You know, as we look at our innovation coming out in April, you'll see some salty snacks that are, you know, still within peanuts as its core, but it does kind of bridge us into that salty snack ter- territory with mixing in elements of like pretzels and things like that. So uh, it's beyond advertising, but I think 
definitely, certainly the, adverti- the advertising of the Super Bowl is that first step to kind of establishing that platform and being there uh, for him, uh, our Gen X male at that, at that time. So t- talk to us for a little bit. I'm very curious uh, about the internal process that you had to go through to convince people to uh, let's do a Super Bowl ad. Because as you said, you hadn't been on the Super Bowl for um, for more than 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so what was that process and how difficult was it internally? And, and what did you have to do to get that uh, accomplished? Yeah, no, I mean, first and foremost, right, we look at our brand and we have a massive brand in planters. Uh, it is growing. We're in a category which is very healthy. Um, so, you know, the opportunity was definitely there to put a stake in the ground and make that investment. I think um, it was time to kind of start acting like that and spending uh, our resources uh, behind something like that uh, to make that, you know, that giant push. Um, again, lots of reasons and justification go into it, but I think it was a fairly easy decision to make once we kind of aligned on what to do there. Um, you know, again, strong brand, strong category. We have a very sound strategy in place that we felt really good about. And once you kind of check off those boxes and you decide that you're in a best business for Kraft Heinz, um, the, the organization was extremely supportive of us kind of getting behind that and, um, and, and having a role in the game. Let me remind our audience, you're listening to Measured Thoughts on Sirius XM 132 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. And you can give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. And we're currently speaking to Luke Cole. And, Luke, I want to get in and ask you uh, about what you're doing for the Super Bowl and what's that specific ad that you're showing. Tell us a little bit about the ad. Yeah, so uh, the ad, I mean, I can't give away a ton because obviously we haven't launched it yet. Uh, that will be being released tomorrow. So what I can tell you is, you know, it's, we looked at the developing of this thing was was more looked at like a like a little short movie, right? So it has everything from celebrities to pyrotechnics, special effects. This thing is explosive, uh, and we're super excited about it. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I think you know we're we're, we're super excited about it. But again, the, the storyline is really the strategy is like we talked about. You know, Mr. Peanut and Planters Peanuts are there for you when you need that salty snack and that fix. So we kind of have your back at that time, and the storyline is about. Mr. Peanut, and he's kind of saved A-Rod, uh, Alex Rodriguez, from a snacking disaster. So that's as much as much as I can tell you about the storyline, but I'm uh, super excited for everyone to kind of see that tomorrow when it goes live. Yeah, you're going to do that in 30 seconds? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the feature film in 30 seconds. I yeah. like that. So you you did let out of the bag that it's A-Rod that is your celebrity. Correct, yeah. Um, and I'm curious, how did you go about deciding – a-Rod, because, you know, it's very interesting making a decision, first of all, we're going to have a celebrity, and suddenly, cha-ching, the cost of doing that ad goes up. And then secondly, um, deciding who that uh, the celebrity would be. So talk a little bit about uh, both those decisions. A, we want to use the celebrity, and I also heard you say celebrities. And, um, and then how you decided A-Rod. Yeah, I mean, the process is obviously when you start, right, there's a bunch of options on the table. Um, and I think we looked for people who, like I said, Mr. Peanut is there for you in those crunch time situations, right? That's kind of the strategy and that's what the advertising is about. So we wanted to look for someone who historically has been there for their teams or their families. Um, so A-Rod, you know, being the Grand Slam leader of all time was just a perfect fit. The guy is a baseball legend and, if, you know, he 
he was there for his team in the clutch, so we thought even him, to demonstrate that even him, uh, or he needs a little bit of help at times, Mr. Peanut's there, uh, and we'll have his back. So kind of that's where we landed on it, Rod. Um, okay. And uh, and why specifically, Arod? Is it? I mean, maybe you just answered that. Of, uh, you know, he he sort of fits the bill and did so well with the team, uh, and was there in the in the clutch. Was that sort of what you were thinking about? Yeah, is that? And then he's also a very well recognized man, and you know, sports athlete, and um, you know, we we thought it was a great fit for the spot. I was wondering whether or not his association with J-Lo is, uh, he's still being recognized because he's fairly visible on that front as well. Yeah, it certainly, certainly doesn't hurt. Yeah. Is there anything about, uh, you know, the fact that you guys, you know, as you said, your your, your competition, your market market share, as, as, as Dave said, might be, you know, greater than just the nut. It might just be, you know, might be snacks. Um, but in that in that market, in the snacks market, I view, you know, peanuts as a healthier snack a snack that is whether it's salted or unsalted better than necessary you know than Luke, a, than Luke's been every time throwing that in there that adjective in there a healthy snack so yeah. I, I agree with that that's and part so, of why it's my snack right and so I want maybe you could speak a little bit to that Luke I mean is that is that part of the whether it's Super Bowl or not not the Super Bowl I mean given you have an athlete you're using an athlete um, uh, in in the ad is there some kind of image that you're trying to create uh, around that as well I mean, it's certainly a factor in nuts and how we stand out. And, you know, we talk about point of difference versus some of the other salty snacks that are out there. It's certainly one of them. I think common knowledge that nuts are a healthier option than like a potato chip, so to speak. But um, so we don't necessarily speak to that a ton in our advertising because it's just common knowledge. Sure. I think what we're pushing more is to consider it in those opportunities, not because of the healthiness, but, you know, Really, we put our hat on the crunchiness and the satiation, the filling uh, experience you get from a nut, right? You don't feel bad indulging and having that, sure. uh, that filling satiation between, say, lunch and dinner where you want something and you eat a potato chips, a bag of chips, you'll feel a little bit guilty about it. Yeah, you're eating a healthier snack that'll fill you up. Uh, crunchy nuts are they're an amazing food um, for sure. And again, we just want to be in that consideration set when, when our guy's making that decision. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And so, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you haven't done this uh, for the past 10 years. So given that this is going to be such a, you know, a, you know, a momentous uh, time in, in, in the planter's brand, I wonder, uh, you know, have you thought about how you're going to measure the success of this? Uh, uh, you know, what kinds of metrics you're going to look at? Have you start? To, have you already started to measure uh, you know, maybe spikes and, and how are you going to continue, uh, you know, the increase in, you know, sales or awareness that happens, you know, hopefully, ideally after the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, a huge part of the decision is building out those KPIs and kind of measuring those as we go. I think the one, the, the first one is obviously awareness. So, you know, we want to, you're meeting 1,100 million impressions on the Super Bowl. But I think I heard the conversation earlier on the, on the Pringles conversation, cut the tail end of that. It's much beyond, it goes much more beyond just those original um, impressions. There's the pre-PR that goes into it, right? And then there's the post-game um, impressions that you're getting. So, you know, I've heard, I'm not going to speak to our specific APIs, but I've heard brands going upwards of three to five billion impressions um, from media alone. Wow. So that's one for sure that we're, we're, we're watching very closely um, and making sure we hit our objectives there. Second one I would say is retail sales lift. So, you know, it's harder to measure implications of consumers buying right away, obviously, because when they see the ad to when that translates into consumption is, is a little bit tricky. But we are looking at retail sales in terms of uh, volume that are in displays and those kind of things. So we have some metrics around that. Um, third, I would say, is the social side of this. So the shared rate is what we call it. We do 
shared impressions, essentially that calculation is shared impressions over total impressions uh, to give you a metric of how many people actually shared this thing uh, and found it interesting enough to share. So we have some goals around those specific share, share rate. Um, and then the last one we look at is brand health. So we have some metrics in place just to measure, you know, the attitudinal equity and kind of how close the consumer feels to that brand, and we measure that before uh, and we measure that afterwards. So we feel like with those four metrics, we really get a holistic picture of how the Super Bowl performed. All, all of them make tons of sense to me, but my guess is it's hard to justify the spend unless you see it in retail sales. And so ultimately, you know, we want our brand health getting better. We want a lot of people sharing. Uh, we want certainly all of those impressions. But all of that is to the funnel in and to retail uh, sales. I understand you don't see the retail sales immediately, but I'm assuming that you're looking to see that there's got to be sufficient lift to justify this this total spend. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's hard to isolate the Super Bowl specifically. We look at the year uh, and you know, because what role did that Super Bowl play in the entire year, and how we spent our budget this year versus last year, and measuring the efficiencies and the effectiveness of that over the, the span of kind of a year, as opposed to just the Super Bowl itself, from a sales perspective. Um, I assume you are you guys internally having a big uh, Super Bowl watch party, so you can watch your ad and celebrate. Yeah, I'm going to be in New York with my agency, uh, watching that. It's going to be a big war room. Uh, watching, we got some exciting things going on on social media during the game, so we'll be very actively participating. Uh, that, that sounds great. So good luck with it, and uh, I hope uh, A-Rod catches all the peanuts and, and that it is a very successful Super Bowl run. Great. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate the call. Well, thank you very much. So, Sunil, uh, two advertisers, both of them in, in you know, the salted snack right. business. Yeah. And uh, it's fascinating to think about um, spending that amount of money and and when you think about it, by the way, it's that amount of money plus whatever you spend in the creation of that ad. Right. And for planters, that's going to be a lot given that they have a celebrity and a famous celebrity. Right? That's right. So what, whatever that cha-ching is that I said that happens for A-Rod is just added on top yeah, of that. absolutely. And then there's a lot of activity in PR work that's being done, you heard, in advance. Mm-hmm. So part of that's going on. It's, it's um, you know – what, what I hear, and I want to just capitalize on this last point that we were just hearing about, sure. where, you know, it's it's easy to measure sort of the reach, the number of impressions. Right. And you, you get that. But if that doesn't turn around and translate into sales, um, you know, okay, we got reached a lot of people. A lot of people are aware of our ad. A lot of people are aware of Planters Peanuts. But if that doesn't translate into sales. Right. You know, um, gulp because that's that's five million dollars that you've got to cover somehow. Well, I think that this actually is a really nice, uh, 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 you know, segue, Dave, to you know, talking a little bit about theory and, and thinking about the purchase funnel. Uh, right, and, and maybe you can talk a little bit about the the aspects of the purchase funnel and you know which aspect you think the Super Bowl is actually, you know, uh, attacking and how that's helping versus sales, which is kind of the end of the funnel, you know, getting that sale and being able to measure that sale. Okay. So just to be really clear, when you refer to the purchase funnel, you know, what what we're thinking about is at the top end, what you have to do is get people aware of your particular product. And so if if they're not aware of your product, they're not going to buy it. Mm -hmm. So we've got to gain that awareness. Then we've got to go to that next level and gain some level of interest, 
that ends up happening and then and so that's going to be a subset of those that are aware and that's why it's referred to as a funnel sure it's because it sort of tapers inward right uh the whole way and then we've got to get some level of purchase intent yeah so maybe i'm thinking about i need to get some snags for the super bowl party um which ones would i prefer Mm -hmm. um and then what my purchase intent is and then we get to the actual purchase right and so that funnel keeps getting narrower and narrower what you want is you want everybody that you, you want it to be not a purchase funnel, but a purchase cylinder. Oh, sure. Yeah. Right. That would course. be everybody that we reach goes all the way right. through. But I guess the, the trick is the difficulty is, you know, we're measuring the impressions and we're kind of measuring that awareness or, you know, what people what people are sharing. But it's hard to track those consumers, you know, down to the to the purchase intention. And I think that's the difficulty with figuring out, you know, are these ads really going to pay for themselves in the end? Right. And so while I don't track the individual, right. I'm, I'm aware, you know, what you said, 111 million people saw it on the Super Bowl. So I got that level of awareness yeah. minus those that are going to the bathroom, minus those that <laughs> yeah, are going right. and getting food and whatever. So I get a certain level of awareness. And frankly, I'll tell you, a large number of people that might be sitting there may not even be aware of it. If, and, and I remember looking last year at the ads and I go, boy, I was there. I was watching and I didn't see that ad. Right. So, you know, so we really want to look at and and what they do is they do specifically measure what that awareness level Mm -hmm. is. Okay. Separately, we're going to measure how many people are are interested in our product and how many people are in the category. And then within that, how many people prefer us? And And there are measurements that are taken at each one of these specific levels. Uh, that are going uh, going through that whole funnel, yeah. but if it doesn't get you to that sale, well, at the end of the day, that's what it is that pays for yeah. it. So we're going to see lots of activity going on. This is the week that there's going to be the discussions. This is the week where p- there's going to be the build up. You heard, you know, th- these ads are me- being made available starting tomorrow. Yeah. So we'll see what it is that ends up happening. Stay tuned for the Super Bowl. Um, I'd like to thank both of our guests today, Anne-Marie Suarez-Davis of Kellogg's and Luke Wilson of the Kraft Heinz Company. This is Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 132. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.